Uh, Today what I want to do is I want to learn together from the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. Uh, And if you've been around church, if you grew up in church, chances are good that you've heard this story before. Uh, The prodigal prodigal son is sometimes called the lost son. Uh, And here's the temptation. Uh, The temptation is if we've heard Bible stories before, uh, or maybe we've heard them multiple times, then we may be tempted to say, you know, I've heard this story and I already know all about it. Uh, And that's probably true. You probably could uh, recite the facts uh, of the story or recite the story just as it happened back. Uh, But just like how you watch a favorite movie again and again and each time you kind of notice new things, uh, so it is with the scriptures that we, um, every time we turn our attention to them, they have potential for new life. uh, And so we want to give our attention once again uh, to this powerful story, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, It's found in Luke chapter 15, begins with verse 11, and then going through verse 32. If you'd like, you can follow along with me uh, in your own Bibles. There's Bibles in the the chair racks in front of you. You can click to a Bible, uh, or it'll be up on the screen as well. Uh, But let's read together, or or follow along with me as I read Luke chapter 15, uh, beginning with verse 11, and then going all the way to the end of the chapter. Uh, It says this, Now, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one uh, said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth on wild living. And after he had spent everything, he was in a severe famine uh, that was in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired out He hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Now he longed uh, to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And so I will set out and go back to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up, and he returned to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And so he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and he asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he uh, has him back safe and sound. At this, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. But when, your son of, when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, this story, the story of the prodigal son, is the last of a trilogy of stories that are found in Luke chapter 15 uh, that are all about something that once was lost being found. Uh, And what's interesting is that we traditionally have referred to these stories in a negative sense. We call it the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost or prodigal. Prodigal actually means wasteful uh, son. Uh, Today what I'd like to do is I'd like to encourage us to switch our thinking just a bit to the positive and think of these stories as the found coin, the found sheep, and the loving father. You see, these stories are not bad news about something that was lost. Uh, They're good news about something being found. And so in the story, the prodigal son Uh, the thrust of the story is not so much on the wayward living of the son, as bad as that was, and it was bad, but rather the beauty of the story, the reason that it captures our imaginations again and again and again, is it because of the actions of the loving father. You see, the son, and that's not to say that I want to downplay the sin of the the younger son. Uh, What he did by asking for his inheritance early and then wasting it on wild and sinful living is actually bringing shame not just to him but to his entire family. In fact, just consider this. Here's a Jewish man who has found himself so uh, stricken in poverty because because of the consequences of his own life that he's now not just feeding pigs, which would be considered unclean, and not kosher at all, but now wanting to eat the same food that the pigs are eating. This is an absolute low for the son. But the real thrust comes from the father, that despite the shame that has been brought upon this family from this wayward son, the father welcomes him back and welcomes him home with lavish love. He greets him first with a kiss. Now, we give our girls a kiss on the cheek or the forehead every night before they go to bed. And and in our culture, it's a sign of of affection, a way of of demonstrating love for another person. And so we kiss them on the forehead and say goodnight as we tuck them in. Uh, But in this culture, the kiss was actually a sign of forgiveness and reconciliation, Uh, that this This father welcoming the son with a kiss is a way of immediately saying, despite the shame that you have brought upon this family, you are welcomed, you are forgiven, and all is well with us. Uh, You know, historically, what we call the greeting time, uh, historically in the church, it's been called passing of the peace. Uh, And and so in more uh, liturgical environments, you might say, let's pass the peace, and you go to one another and you say, peace be with you, and they respond by saying, does anybody know? And also with you, right? Peace be with you and also with you. Uh, It's this way of saying it's not just, hey, good morning, how are you doing? But this passing of the peace is a way of saying that all is well between us. It's this unity building kind of moment in a church service meant to say that we are at peace. Um, So I'm just thinking next week what we might do is just start kissing each other. Uh, Just just as a way to kind of embody that reality, right? (laughs) Uh, okay, we probably won't go that far, but, but, but here we go. Here, the passing of the peace or this, this 
This father, this loving father, welcoming this wasteful prodigal son back with a kiss of forgiveness and reconciliation. And then he says, let's give this son a robe. The robe is a sign of bestowing him with honor. That where he was once filled with dishonor, he is now returned to a place of honor. The ring is a symbol of authority that now I'm giving this son his authority back in the family. And then let's put sandals on his feet. And the sandals maybe were not just because he found himself barefoot with cuts all over his feet, but they were a sign of freedom. You see, it was servants who went barefoot. And this is significant because he returns home wishing only to be a servant in his father's house. And the father, by putting sandals on his feet, essentially says, no way, you are my son. It's a beautiful picture of the kind of love that God has for us. This radical love that forgives, restores honor, gives authority, and includes. It is the radical, including love of God. Now, what we can't avoid in the story is that radical love is always scandalous. (laughs) I want you to hear that. Radical love is always scandalous. Because this would be such a beautiful kind of picture. This would be a beautiful story. But the story doesn't end there, right? There's more to the story. The older brother. The one who has been faithful all of these years and has never brought shame to the family, has always done what is right, He doesn't like this radical inclusion of the younger brother. In fact, he's so ashamed of the actions of his younger brother that he refuses to recognize him as his own brother. Did you catch on to that? Uh, Look at verse 30 again. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 30, says this. But when this, this is the, the, the son, the older son, talking to the father. When this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Did you catch it? The older brother is unwilling to call the wayward son his brother. And so he defines the relationship according to the son's relationship with the father, not his relationship to himself or to his brother. In fact, we pick up on this, that just how ashamed and how wayward this son would have been treated, the father even says he once was dead, but now he's alive again. To which the older brother is essentially saying, he is still dead to me. Whoa. Let's put it this way. Let's understand the actions of the older brother this way. The older brother prioritizes proper action over relationship. The older brother prioritizes behavior over relationship. Man, if we're honest, who can blame him? The shame that's been brought, all of this. And I think this is the real scandalous part of the story. Uh, the, the, I, if, if, if I were to find a place where I identify most in the story, I would say, yeah, I think I'm the older brother, you know? I kind of want people to get everything straight. I, wanna, I want people to get every, all, their, all their stuff together, right? 
uh, I've been known as a goody two shoes and, and a rule follower all of my life, and so I want people to be the same. <laughs> uh. But here's the deal according to the worldview of the older brother, you have to act right in order to be included. And, and, and couldn't we also just as easily substitute right behavior uh, with, or, or, or proper behavior with right belief or shared ideology, right? If you, if you believe right, if you share the same ideology as me, if you have proper behavior, then you are included. But the scandalous part of this story is the radical including love of the Father, And so for the older brother, proper action, right belief, and a shared ideology were necessary and took priority over relationship. Unwilling to even call this man his brother. So it turns out that the two brothers are more alike than we might have assumed at the beginning because they both make the same mistake. The younger brother, the prodigal, values stuff over relationship with his family. Did you hear this? He values stuff over his relationship with his family. And so he asks for his father's money and then runs away. (laughs) Essentially breaking all relationship with the family. So in other words, to take the inheritance early was the same as saying to his father, I wish you were dead. (laughs) It's terrible. It's like, a, it's like we kind of make it out to be like this nice story, but when you get into it, it's like pretty radical, right? So the son says to the father, I wish you were dead. I will take my inheritance, and I'm leaving this family. I'm running away, and I'm going to go and live as I please. And so the younger brother makes the mistake of prioritizing a, an accumulation of wealth, a, a, a chasing after stuff over relationship. But the younger brother does just the same. He makes the same mistake. That upon the, older bro- the younger brother's return, the older brother, the faithful one, values proper action, right belief, shared ideology, over relationship, and refuses to acknowledge this man as his brother. And they make the same mistake of giving up relationships. It occurs to me then that in this story, the role of the father, and this is what makes it, this, this is what makes the story so fantastic, and why I think we're drawn to it over and over again, is this: it's the business of the loving father to try to restore relationship. <laughs> That when the younger brother is estranged from the family, the loving father runs out to him, showers him with gifts that show welcome and restoration to the family. And then when the older brother says, this son of yours, did you catch it? The father replies by saying, this brother of yours. 
What the Father is trying to do is trying to reestablish relationship, not just between himself and the prodigal son, but also between his two sons, seeking to bring them back together and pull them back together. And you can just sense that the loving Father is saying, you know what, you don't have to be happy about this. You don't, by even accepting him back into the family, you're not saying, oh, was his sin no big deal and was it okay? Right? But rather what the father is doing is seeking to prioritize relationship between himself and the son and, the two, and his, both of his, his own two sons. And so it is the work of the loving father to be in relationship with each of his sons and also to work for relationship between the two brothers. And I don't know about you, but I think there's enough times where I myself have made the mistake of letting go of relationship. Maybe because you didn't believe the right thing or because I didn't think you believed the right thing or because you didn't share the same ideas or perspectives or ideology or maybe your behavior wasn't quite as I thought it should have been. And I'd be willing to bet I'm not the only one. I'd be willing to bet that there are some of us in this room that find ourselves in the position of either the older brother or the younger brother, right? That that maybe you've been the one that have has walked away and squandered and squandered money and, and just lived in this kind of wild sort of way and you're trying to find your way back and, and man, I hope you find your way back to open receiving arms, right? Or, or, or maybe we have found ourselves in the position of the older brother that when given the opportunity, we kind of back up cross our arms and say, you got to get it together first. You're no brother of mine. In either one of these cases, the story teaches us two things. First, this story teaches us about the loving nature of God who forgives and is always on the side of reconciliation and restoration. Are you with me? This story is the beautiful, radical, dare I even say scandalous picture of the love of God that is always on the side of forgiveness and reconciliation. There's a a Catholic theologian named Richard Rohr. He says this, and, and man, if I could just like put this out there and just let it sit, um, He says this, forgiveness is God saying, I'd rather be in relationship than be right. (laughs) Forgiveness is God saying, I would rather be in relationship than be right. And man, as 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 a sinner, right? I think we can all raise our hand here. As a sinner thinking about God's forgiveness of me every single time God is right. 
God is right. Yeah, probably, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have gone that way. I shouldn't have had that attitude. I shouldn't have participated in that. There's like all sorts of things. And yet, for God looks at me with this loving forgiveness as a way of saying, I would rather be in relationship with you than just be right. Man, that's good. And so the first is teaches us the loving nature of God who forgives us and always is on the side of restoration. The second is it teaches us or it helps show us and illustrates for us that the heart of the Father is relationship. Is relationship. The heart of the Father is utterly and totally relational. Um, I would just say and, and encourage us to not let the wrong actions of another, the different beliefs of another, or the different ideologies of another rob you of the relationship and the gift of relationship with them. Uh, see, in the, in the Protestant church, as, as right belief and doctrine has become more and more important, uh, we, we've come to the point where now if you don't believe the same as me, we actually can't be in relationship. And I think that is um, moving in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, I, I would want to be able to uh, confess with my brothers and sisters in Christ that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we may not agree on all the, all the other things, but I can still call you brother or sister. I hope that I could look as someone who confesses no faith at all or perhaps a different faith and still recognize the image of God in them, right? And see that they have intrinsic human value in the same way that I do. That God loves them in the same way that he loves me. So I can maybe, yeah, it's like looking through like a shattered glass through all of us in our brokenness and all the things that are wrong and, and yet being able to look at a human being subject to subject and recognize the image of God in them. And so, I, the more that I study theology, the more that I come to know God, not just through study, but through relationship, the more I see that God is, in fact, utterly relational. Um, and I think that relationship with other people is such a gift that we would really be missing and, and robbing ourselves if we cut off relationship based on behavior and this and that and that and that. And so, kiddos, when your sibling hurts your feelings, remember that they are still your brother or sister. <laughs> Parents, when your teenage kids do something that you feel reflects poorly on you, remember, it's not all about you. <laughs> and don't allow the shame to break that relationship. In fact, kick shame to the curb and respond with loving forgiveness. Friends and family members, even when you share different ideologies, remember that you still have plenty of basis of relationship. And there's certain, there, there are times where we need to set healthy boundaries, right? There may be even like, kind of like landmines of certain subjects that we just kind of need to tiptoe around or around Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? <laughs> like we're just going to kind of tiptoe around these things. 
But man, don't break relationship. You have plenty of basis of relationship. It isn't just all about those things that we disagree on or see things differently. And so, yeah, there's a time for proper boundaries, and there may even be a time for tiptoeing, but you're still friends and you're still family. And we would be doing ourselves a huge disservice if we robbed ourselves of relationship with one another and responded with the, like the older brother. And if you don't have proper belief, shared ideology, or right doctrine, then I don't even count you as a brother or sister. Well, I think this passage of Scripture is so rich. And I pray that it finds uh, root in our hearts and in our lives. Amen? Well, I want to uh, offer a word of prayer, and then I'll lead us in a a liturgy for communion. Um, So let's do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this word, this picture that we have of uh, just tremendous love that you pour out. God, as recipients of that love, Man, we just pray that we would be um, quick to offer that to others. Um, That as we have been forgiven, Lord, help us to forgive. That as we have been loved, help us to love. Give us discernment, Lord, uh, to know what love looks like. In certain situations, we know that it's not always, and probably not even often, this kind of soft and fluffy and romantic thing, that that love is, is much more radical than that. And so, God, there's a lot yet to be worked out, but I, I just pray that this truth would uh, stay true and close to our hearts today uh, as, we wrestle, as we wrestle with it. Uh, so, Lord, help us in these moments. As we come to the table, Lord, speak to us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.